Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. We're back. It's the first episode of the 2023-24 academic and athletic year. I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a rising fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin. I'm joined by my fantastic guest, another fellow rising fourth year, a senior sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin, Mr. Jack Nelson. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Gavin. Great to see you after a little while. I'm so excited to be back here in the office and talk some Bruin football today. That's right. We're going to be making our game-by-game predictions for the upcoming UCLA football season. Solid season for UCLA last year, but we'll see if they can do even better this year in 2023. Before we start, I have to address a little elephant in the room. If you're listening to this podcast, as always, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, you may not realize we are actually recording live in front of three high-tech cameras in the UCLA Daily Bruin office here in Kirkhoff Hall. We have Zoe Busenberg behind the camera helping us make this a video production. So if you want to see the video recording of this podcast, you can go to the Daily Bruin YouTube channel. Go ahead and like the video, subscribe, and uh, stay tuned because we're going to be posting all of our podcasts on the YouTube channel from here on out. But with that being said, let's jump into our predictions for the upcoming season. Like we said, UCLA a solid season last year. 9-4, and four, did not finish the way the Bruins would have hoped, losing in their bowl game against Pitt, obviously losing that epic game to USC at the Rose Bowl. Um, but a lot of intrigue with this team this year. New quarterback, that's going to be the storyline early on. As of this recording, we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback but for UCLA. Um, but we're going to jump into week one. The Bruins will be at home in the Rose Bowl, likely a very hot Rose Bowl. The first game of the season always seems to be in the 90s, even the 100s. Um, UCLA will be hosting Coastal Carolina, who went nine and four last season. And so, Jack, we'll start with you. What you know, wondering the quarterback position: Dante Moore, Ethan Garbers, Colin Schley. Who do you think is going to start? Who do you think should start for UCLA in that Week One game? I mean, I think it should be Dante, and if it's not Dante, I will be very surprised. I mean, you think about how much hype there's been around Dante Moore, one of the biggest recruits in UCLA history coming in. He's got to be the man, I think, from Week One here. And if he's not, I'd be very surprised. I think he's done enough in practice to earn the job. Still doing some work, I'm sure, with the other quarterbacks. Still competition going on right now, but I think it's got to be Dante for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it should be Dante, and I do think it will be Dante. You know, Chip Kelly's done a good job all offseason trying to, you know, give every quarterback the, the chance to earn the job. You know, Ethan Garbers looked good in that bowl game when DTR got hurt, and um, he's, he's, he's an experienced guy if you want to go that route. But I think the schedule really works out well. For Dante Moore, you have three non-conference games against three teams that the Bruins will be favored against. So if Dante can sort of ease into college life, ease into you know playing D1 football against three non-Power 5 schools, and then in Week 4 we'll get to Utah and we'll see how he can handle it. I think it would make a lot of sense for Dante to start from Week 1. So jumping into the game, who do you got winning Week 1? I you know assume UCLA, but see any surprises? Yes, so I do have UCLA winning against Coastal Carolina week one. I think it's going to be a little closer than some people might expect. I have them 34-28 final score. Um, When you think of Coastal Carolina, first person that comes to mind for me, Grayson McCall. I'm actually surprised to hear that he is still at Coastal Carolina. He's kind of like the less talented DTR over there. He's been there for so long, but he's just so entrenched in that offense. Um, He's like the first ever player to be voted the three times Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year over there. Um, just has established so much with Coastal Carolina, and people recognize that team from the couple of great seasons they had a couple of years back, a couple of 10 win seasons over there. Um, but I think ultimately Coastal Carolina may have a bit of an upper hand offensively, maybe from an experience standpoint. Like I said, McCall's 
very familiar with that offense. Um, but if UCLA does end up starting Dante, they have a serious talent disparity there, I think. That's really going to work to their advantage, uh, as well as the fact that defensively, uh, Coastal Carolina is dealing with some major losses at the defensive line, as well as the cornerback positions. Uh, and so I think UCLA's offense can really exploit them there, and they'll be able to really come out on top in this game. Yeah, uh, I, obviously I have UCLA as well. Just a couple more stats. Coastal Carolina, 29 points per game last season. Like you said, a, a really strong offense. But their defense, not so good. 32 points per game allowed last season. And, you know, whether it's Dante, whether it's Ethan Garbers, regardless, UCLA is going to move the ball well. They always move the ball well at the Rose Bowl. Um, and so even if it takes a few drives, a relatively new offensive line for UCLA, that's something to uh, keep your eye on if the run game looks as strong as it did last year. But regardless, this team's going to score so many points all season, and especially against a weak Coastal Carolina defense. So I have it 38-28 UCLA. Um, High-scoring game most likely, but UCLA, we both have them. 1-0 to start the season after a non-conference schedule season opener at the Rose Bowl. Uh, transitioning out of Week 2, UCLA will be at San Diego State at a new San Diego State stadium, relatively new. Um, San Diego State, solid season last year. Kind of this, this program that is always slept on, you feel like. They're always creeping into the top 25, kind of in and out. Um, they're going to have a solid team this year, a lot of new faces. Um, but once again, we'll go to you first. I assume you've got UCLA winning this one as well. I do, yes. Have UCLA winning this one 38-21. Uh, just as you said with San Diego State, there's certainly not a team you want to overlook if you're Chip Kelly and this UCLA Bruins team. Uh, just a very consistent program. 13 straight winning seasons there. Uh, kind of somewhat infamously defeated UCLA the last time they played them over at the Rose Bowl in 2019, back when the program was really starting to you know, rebuild and develop over at UCLA, and Chip Kelly was still doing a lot of work over there. Um, but just looking at the San Diego State team, I mean, it was kind of interesting looking at last season when they had a defensive back also step in at quarterback, uh, Jalen Maiden. Uh, he did inject some life into that offense, uh, but he's definitely an errant passer, so something to be wary of there for San Diego State's offense. Um, he's got some decent weapons, Mikai Shaw, Raphael Williams, some good guys. Um, but ultimately, what San Diego State's going to have to rely on if they want to keep this a close affair is going to be the defense. Defense has been really the definition of San Diego State teams for a long time now. They haven't finished below 21st in the nation until defense since 2013. Um, and But there is a lot of turnover for them going into the season on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think that will help UCLA and their offense really gain some momentum as they begin to get through non-conference play here going into the regular season. Um, and do, yeah, I do have UCLA winning this one ultimately. Yeah, I agree. UCLA, I have it 35-27, relatively close once again. Um, if it is Dante Moore, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be his first road game in college. And, you know, sometimes people underestimate how difficult that can be. You're used to being at home in the Rose Bowl, making that nice drive over from campus. It's nice and easy. But, you know, it's not like San Diego State's that far, but it's 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 a different experience as, as a, you know, a high school player versus a college player traveling over to an opposing stadium, having to deal with fans, having to deal with maybe a different way of calling plays in the huddle, all of that. So it'll be interesting if it is Dante to see how he responds to his first road game. Uh, just going off what you said about San Diego State, defenses are key. They allowed only 20 points a game last year, which is really, really good in college football. Um, seven and six last year, like you said, they've kind of been shaky recently, a lot of turnover. Um, but I think for whatever reason, I just have a feeling it's going to be a Liatu-Latu game. Um, one of the best players in the conference, um, probably the best player on UCLA, um, I think he's probably the favorite to be Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. And for whatever reason, I just think he's going to show up big in the San Diego State game. A lot of turnover on the offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if he records his first sack of the season if he doesn't get it against Coastal Carolina. But yeah, 35-27 for me. UCLA jump into a 2-0 start. I think most people expect that. And I think people expect UCLA to continue that 
in week three when they go back to the Rose Bowl and host NC Central. Um, probably the easiest game of the three in the non-conference slate. And probably done on purpose because, you know, after that you have a really big game against Utah. So it'll be nice to come back home to the Rose Bowl, play NC Central, and likely get a pretty simple win. I don't think we need to waste too much time on this. The talent disparity is, is it's not even close, right? Um, if, it, if it is Dante, by then he'll, he'll really, you know, be used to college football life. And um, I, I have a 38-17. I don't think it's going to be close. You probably have it even bigger, though. Let's see what you have. I do, yeah. I have a bigger margin of victory for UCLA here. I have the Bruins winning 45-14. Um, as you said, yeah, talent disparity is huge for this one. I mean, I will give NC Central some credit at the quarterback position. Davius Richard is one of the best passers they've had in program history. He's, I think, second all-time passing yards, touchdowns, total offense at the program. So he's certainly established a great culture there, the way he's leading that offense. But ultimately, I mean, the difference in athleticism, talent, just as you said, it's I think it's going to be too much for NC Central to overcome. The Bruins have this one pretty handily, I think. Yeah, so there it is. You slay 3-0 to start the regular season, three non-conference games. I think, I, you know, I asked people on Twitter, you asked people on campus, everyone says the same thing. You slay starting the season 3-0. It would be a huge disappointment if they don't if they manage to somehow lose one of those games. But now is when things really start. Week four, UCLA traveling to Salt Lake City to take on Utah. That is going to be a massive game, just like it was last year when Utah traveled to the Rose Bowl. You know, it, it's funny. It's kind of similar timing. Last season, UCLA had already beaten Washington before the Utah game. People were feeling like, okay, this this UCLA team is legit. Um, this is a little bit different. The, the Bruins will not have played anyone really before this game. But, you know, based on the history of the Utah-UCLA kind of rivalry in recent years, other than last year, Utah's owned it. They've won the last five matchups going before that game last year. Cam Rising is back. He's one of the best players in the conference, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And I don't know about you, but I think this was where UCLA picks up its first loss. I do have UCLA. I just think you're in Salt Lake City. I think it's one of the 10 hardest places to play in all of college football. I think it's a very underrated road atmosphere, especially if it's a night game we don't know yet. But if it's a night game on ESPN, it'll probably be a blackout. The fans will be going crazy. That that place gets loud. You don't know what the weather is like, you know, easing into the fall in, in Salt Lake City. I just think there's too many sort of external factors ignoring the roster, ignoring that Utah's bringing a lot of people back, especially on offense. Um, just looking at some of the extracurricular sides of it, I think a lot there's a lot going against UCLA. Um, so I have a 31-24 Utah. Utah's defense is great. Um, their offense is always underrated. People think that they're just this smash-mouth team that scores 14 points. This isn't Iowa, folks. Utah scores points, all right? They're in the 40s. They're in the 30s. They shut down USC twice, uh, once in Salt Lake City. And so this is a legit team. They've been great in the Pac-12 for the past few years, and they're going to do it. I think they're going to beat UCLA in Week 4. What about you? I agree with you, Gavin. I got Utah winning 24-14 this one. Low scoring. Uh, low scoring. Yeah, low scoring one, I think. Uh, so, I mean, just as you said, like Utah is – much the last opponent you slay wanted to face first game of the season in conference play that's a really tough draw for them um and at, just you said with the environment as well like reese eccles is one of the toughest stadiums to play against or to play in especially in a night setting when of course so like the fans are roaring it's on espn all this publicity all this coverage um and utah for those who don't know has been pretty much owning the pack all these past few years they were 10 and 4 in 2022 and 2021 um, back-to-back Rose Bowl appearances given no wins in either of those, but also back-to-back Pac-12 champs. And so they are truly a team to beat going into the season, the Pac-12. And so I think UCLA is really going to struggle against a uh, really tough defense, as you mentioned, in addition to the fact that Cameron Rising is probably a top 15 quarterback in college football right now, I would say. 
You just run the really terrific Utah offense there that, as you said, it's very underrated, doesn't really get enough appreciation, as they th- think they should. And Kyle Winningham has done a really good job as head coach over there. Um, I think the only question really for Utah is how healthy is Cameron Rising going to be? How is he going to be 100% ready to go start the season for because he you know, tore his ACL at the end of last season in the Rose Bowl against Penn State? Uh, and so if he's not 100%, then UCLA might have a chance there to really kind of get a bit of an edge, especially if they have a quarterback like Dante Moore, who at that point is maybe a little more comfortable with the offense. He feels better in that scheme. Uh, but ultimately, if UCLA wants to win this one, the defense is going to have to stand very tall against some really good tight end play, uh, a really punishing ground game that Utah usually shapes up to have. Uh, and so, yeah, I think Utah ultimately will prove their worth as the top team of the Pac-12 in this one. I think one other thing to point out, you talked about Cam Rising and the health. That's a huge factor. We'll see what the knee looks, looks like. I think a lot of people underestimate the running ability of Cam Rising. He is not a pocket passer. He is very much a dual threat. He likes to run, especially in the, the red zone when they're down there inside the five. Play action, roll out, run it in. You know, Against USC, it was that two-point conversion. He leaped over the goal line. Big physical runner. So if his knee's not 100%, that takes a big aspect of his game. I think one other thing to mention Utah will once again open the season against Florida. That's a very difficult game. So if Utah has any issues against Florida in week one, they're at home this year. Last year they lost in Florida, but at home against Florida. And then they go to Baylor. So their first two games, quite difficult. It's not like UCLA who's got three cupcakes to start the season. Two of uh, Utah's first three games are very difficult. So who knows? Maybe they're one and two, two and one going into that game. I don't know if that's good news or bad news for UCLA if you have an angry Utah roster, a team that plays very physical. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe they're in a couple dogfights earlier in the season and their roster is already a little depleted and that helps UCLA. We'll see. But I think with both teams at full strength and if Cam Rising is healthy, um, I think it makes sense for both of us to have Utah. Um, so, yeah, UCLA falls to 3-1 and one on both of our predictions so far. We transition now to Week 5. UCLA will travel back to the Rose Bowl. The the comfy confines of Pasadena, California. They'll be taking on Washington State. And uh, when everyone thinks UCLA, Washington State, they think of 2019. Believe it or not, that is the last time these two teams played against each other. I, I was amazed by that. I don't know, between COVID and just the way the Pac-12 schedule works, it's been four years since UCLA's played Washington State. And if you go to back go back to that game, that's one of the most epic games in like the past 10 years of college football. UCLA comes all the way back. Uh, nine touchdowns for Anthony Gordon, nine touchdowns, and you lose the game. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it just had to mention that. Everyone thinks about that game in 2019. Um, I don't think we're going to be getting 60 points from either team this time around. I don't know if that's what you're predicting, um, but we'll start with you. Do you have UCLA bouncing back from the Utah loss? So, let me tell you, Gavin. Oh, no. We have talked about the inexplicable loss for UCLA football for many years. Oh, no. Last year it was Arizona. The year before that, Fresno State. The year before that, Stanford. There's always a team that UCLA manages to lose against that by every other metric they should beat. And my pick for this season is Washington State. Oh, man. Right? So for the past two seasons, Washington State has been a very consistently mediocre team in the Pac-12, 7-6 in 2022 and 2021. Um but this offense is something UCLA will definitely want to watch out for. And I'll tell you why. It's because Washington State has brought in Ben Arbuckle, who is the former co-offensive coordinator over at Western Kentucky, which is one of the most pass-heavy offenses in college, all of college football. And so this passing attack in Washington State is about to get ramped up a lot and then some. Uh, and we have seen the defense for UCLA fold on multiple occasions, like entire latter half of last season, those final four games. Every single time defense folded in clutch scenarios, just couldn't buy a stop when their offense needed it. And I think this is one of those games where UCLA just gets exposed, not because the defense is really bad or just really porous, but the fact that it's one of those games where 
You just got to be careful of the opponent. You slightly overlooks them. And I think Washington State is going to win 42-38. Wow, that's that's a huge call. That's the first surprise of the episode. I do not have that happening. I, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. We always talk about it with UCLA. Like you said, there's always one loss that makes no sense. Last year was Arizona. Um, I think the only reason why I don't think it happens to Washington State is because we both have them coming off a loss. I think if they're coming off a win at Utah, they're all high and mighty. They think it, that's usually what happens, right? It's right. it's when UCLA thinks they're at this level of you know being elite, and then they get humbled, right? You know, in Fresno State, they had just beaten LSU. There was a lot of hype. You lose to Fresno State a couple of games later. So you know because we both have them losing to Utah, I think that they'll be in the right mindset to avoid that upset. But it's a great call. The Washington State offense passing game is always huge. It was huge in 2019 with the late great Mike Leach, rest in peace. But um, now in 2023, you said new coaching staff, and I think there's a lot of intrigue around the program. Uh, one of the remaining Pac-4 schools, right? We'll see if there's any bad blood with that throughout the season. Uh, I doubt it. I, I, at this point, it is what it is with realignment. But um, I don't have UCLA losing. I have them winning and jumping to 4-1. and one. We'll say 42-35. I think it's going to be another high-scoring game. Um, and I still think it's going to be close. I don't think any Pac-12 games are blowouts this year. It's a very even conference, a lot of solid teams. But UCLA jumps to 4-1 and one for me, falls to 3-2 and two for Jack. So now we'll go to Week 6, UCLA. This is another game that I think people have UCLA maybe losing. It's at Oregon State in Corvallis, a very new-look Oregon State team. Um, they really surprised a lot of people last year beating Oregon at the end of the season. And it's funny, a lot of people kind of said they did it with uh, one hand tied behind their back maybe. Their offense, very one-dimensional. Running game, amazing. Passing game, not so good. But there's a new quarterback in town, and that defense is going to be great. Um, we'll start with you. UCLA, do they, I guess for you, two straight losses. Do they finally get back in the win column? They do. I have UCLA getting back in that win column, and they're going to be winning 34-24 in this one by my calculations. Um, and as you mentioned with the QB, the big story for Oregon State is that they are the ones who won the DJ Uyangalele race, right? Can we take so. a moment for that pronunciation? That was I, I stayed away from it. I just said new quarterback in town. He got it. Shout out to Jack. That was nice. That was nice. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, he's the one who's going to be leading this offense. I think a lot of people are seeing him as what Bonix was last year at Oregon. He has potential to do that this year. Um, and I think you'd have a really terrific quarterback battle if Dante is really established in this offense at this point and DJ is really back in his element at Oregon State after a really rough year last year at Clemson. I think you could see a great quarterback battle here. Um, I mean, offensively, other than that, Oregon State has a good group of running backs returning. Not really any big changes there for them. Uh, and one of the most productive offensive lines in the country as well. Um, but it won't be too explosive, I don't think. With Uyangalale, it's not really something that's going to be spreading the field too much, not a lot of big chunk plays, um, but just really about versatility for that offense. And I think defensively, from Oregon State, that would they had the Pac-12's top defense last season, so that was huge for them, especially in the red zone. They had the top red zone defense in the country, so that was huge for Oregon State. Um, but they are suffering some serious losses on that front. Five of seven top tacklers from last year are now out of the picture, and so that defense is a lot more vulnerable, and that's where I think UCLA really comes into the picture here is able to get the win and get back in that win column. I agree. We're back on the same page. I have UCLA winning. I think this is a game where we're going to learn a lot about UCLA's new defensive coordinator, D'Anton Lynn. I think, like you said, Oregon State's offense, it's a little one-dimensional. Even though you have a new quarterback, even though he's supposed to open up the passing game a little bit, I think it's still obviously a run-heavy team. I think DJ's you know, going to be there's a lot of read options, a lot of QB power. Obviously, he's going to try to spread the ball around a little bit. But I think we learn a lot about D'Anton Lynn. We're hearing rumors of him being 
aggressive. We've had aggressive defensive coordinators at UCLA in the past in terms of blitzing, but in terms of you know defensive backs, a lot of soft coverage, a lot of one-on-one coverage yet soft. I think against Oregon State, you go up, you press, you have great corners. Devin Kirkwood's going to have a huge year for UCLA this year, in my opinion. I think if you're pressuring Oregon State's receivers, you kind of keep DJ in the pocket, you focus on the running game. I think UCLA is going to shut down Oregon State in Corvallis. This is a lot of uh, a game that a lot of people have UCLA losing. Oregon State's like this trendy pick this year in the Pac-12 because they were good last year, because there's a new quarterback, they have a great coaching staff. I think a lot of preseason polls has them, have them in like the 15 through 17 range. I don't see it. I've got them in the 20s. I've got UCLA right below them. And look, UCLA is not losing to Oregon State, okay? I think this is still big brother, little brother in the Pac-12. I know it's the last year of this, but there's got to be some pride at UCLA. You cannot be losing to a team like Oregon State, even if they're a great program this year or an improving program. It's UCLA. You cannot lose to to the underdog. So I think UCLA's got to go out there in Corvallis, have a statement win. For me, they would jump to 5-1. and one. For you, it'd be 4-2 and two, if I can do math. That's correct. Um, so either way, it's a great start to the season for both of us for UCLA. Um, but, yeah, we'll transition now to Week 7. UCLA stays on the road, go over to Palo Alto, my hometown, sort of. Um, live about 10 minutes away from Stanford's stadium that's always empty. And so it'll probably be empty um, <laughs> in Week 7 when UCLA travels. Um, the last UCLA-Stanford matchup officially in the Pac-12. Uh, Stanford's kind of had a rough go, uh, to say the least. New coach in town, David Shaw resigning. The offense has been not what it used to be. It used to be this, you know, top program, power running game. You think about the quarterbacks that are there, these six five guys, they got big arms, they can run the ball, play action, tight ends everywhere. But in recent years, it just hasn't worked. It's like, it feels like they're a little bit outdated in terms of uh, college football nowadays. I have UCLA winning, keeping a solid win streak after the Utah loss. I assume you do as well. What's your score prediction for that? I do have UCLA winning. I actually have this as their biggest one of the season. I have a bit of a blowout here. I have UCLA winning 52 to 10. This is going to be, I think, a big scoring one for UCLA. Wow. I'll tell you why. Wow. Um, as Gavin mentioned, Stanford has really struggled these past few years in the Pac-12 after some really dominant teams early in the 2010s. I mean, they've been 3-9 these past two seasons, just consistently terrible and one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. They might be the Pac-12's very worst team this season. I see that probably happening. Um, just because with the new leadership, Troy Taylor, I mean, David Shaw stepping down is, I guess, honorable considering the way this team was going the way it was going i think he realized it was time for some new leadership that things weren't working um but for stanford just there's a lot of transfers outgoing that's not gonna help them at all it's an absolute mess at offensive line there's just no one there who i really see making a big impact uh also lots of uncertainty at quarterback running back obviously two of the most critical positions for an offense trying to establish itself under a new leader um and just, they were so terrible last year, and I don't see them bringing back anyone that's going to make a big difference for them this year. I don't see anything on the roster that would say otherwise. Um, and yeah, as I said, I think this could be a real opportunity for UCLA to put up some big numbers on Stanford um, after a couple weird losses to Stanford, especially the one in 2020. But yeah, I think this is a big win for UCLA. I was nervous because I have it 42-21. I thought some people were going to look at me like, that was crazy. 52-10, to 10, you said? I did. Okay. I, did. I mean, hey, if... I, I wouldn't be shocked, um, but just to add a, a little bit more context about UCLA versus Stanford in recent years, uh, from 2009 to 2018, UCLA lost 11 straight matchups against Stanford. Uh, hit dear to home for me growing up in the Bay Area and just hearing Stanford fans nonstop talk about how they would always beat UCLA. 11 straight times. Um, in recent times, UCLA has won three of the last four. Um, David Shaw obviously not there anymore, so it's a whole new picture. There's a chance David Shaw is going to be somewhere in UCLA's coaching staff. There's rumors about that this week. 
um, when we're recording. But yeah, like you said, we said it a couple times now. Stanford, not the old Stanford. So UCLA gets another win. For me, they jump to six and one. For you, they are four and two. No, five and two. I can't do math. Five and two. <laughs> so very strong start. Um, keeping it going now to week eight. UCLA finally comes back home after, I say finally, but two games on the road. They'll be at the Rose Bowl hosting a very Hollywood-esque Colorado program. Gets all this buzz. Primetime Deion Sanders in the building. I've, I've never seen so many people leave a program. So many people come into a program. Total reboot. Makes sense. They've been awful the past few years. They needed a reboot. Um, where do we start with this team? I don't know. They, they have very talented players. Travis Hunter coming in. Um, one of the most talented players in the country. Like, it's it's so weird. You, this is a team that's going to have, like, their four-string corner is going to be a high school-level level player, but their, like, starting corner is, like, one of the best in the country. It's like the team doesn't make sense. Um, we'll see what Deion Sun can do at quarterback. Um, but I think UCLA is lucky to get Colorado in Week 8 when, by this point, the huge issue with the Bull, the Buffaloes is their their depth, right? You know, they, they've got a good starting lineup. Um, but because of all the transfers, because of everybody leaving, there's no depth. And so by week eight, there's going to be some injuries. There's going to be some issues in terms of who's starting, who's coming off the bench and all that. And so I think by week eight, this Colorado team could be having some sort of downfall. Um, I've got UCLA winning this one pretty big as well. They're at home. I just think UCLA at home is they're just their money. There's something about it recently, kind of like UCLA basketball a little bit. I have it 49-21. So I've got an even bigger win than against Stanford. I think... I don't know. We'll see what this this Deion Sanders experiment is like, but I don't, I'm not I'm not really expecting much in year one from from Colorado. What about you? I'm going a little bit of a different direction. Not not oh. not that I'm saying it's going to be an upset. Oh, I thought it was another Washington State. No, folks. no, not quite yet. Um, but I do have UCLA winning 38-35. I think it's going to be a much closer affair than some people think. Um, of course, as you said, this is a team that has so much hype going into the season that everyone was laughing at this team last season, one and eleven, maybe the worst team in all of college football last year. Uh, and now everyone's eyes are on Colorado football, and they want to see what's going to happen with Coach Prime, what's going to happen with Shitter Sanders, Travis Hunter, all these hugely, really talented guys coming in uh, with a huge influx of talent experience that they already have in college football. Of course, Pac-12 is a whole different animal uh, than their previous team, but uh, I think that at the same time with all the hype going on, there's also... A lot of people aren't really realizing that this, like I said, this is a team that went 1-11 last year. <laughs> like, this team is going to have some growing pains as they start to rebuild this culture. Of course, they have the right man for the job. They have the right players coming in. But the question is, how much can they win with all that new pieces and so much leaving? Because there's virtually, especially on the defense, virtually no returners. And that's where I think it's going to hurt them the most. Um, of course, on offense, you're going to have, like I said, one of the best, or at least one of the most iconic duos in the Pac-12 with Shooter Sanders and Travis Hunter coming in. Um, who plays cornerback and um, wide receiver. He did when he previously worked for Coach Prime over at his previous team and back here at Colorado. He'll probably be splitting two duties as well. Um, but, yeah, I think that we will see some growing pains for Colorado this season. I think they might do enough just to get a winning season. It could go really either way, I think. They could be a winning team. They could be a losing team. Definitely not going to be like a 1-11, like 8-4 to like four turnaround or something like that, I don't think. I think it's going to be a lot more tame than people think um but like i said i do have UCLA winning this one and what could be a little bit of a shootout considering these offenses um and the way they're going to be going at each other especially with the weapons that colorado's bringing in with weapons that UCLA's bringing in both through the portal so yeah a little closer affair than i think people might expect that's fair yeah i think and just to clarify there's nothing wrong with the higher prime time i think it's great for colorado there, they, there was a lack of energy around the program 
and obviously he got some big name transfers. It's just going to take time, all right? A football team is not 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense. You need a full roster, and they have the furthest thing from a full roster. It's going to take some time. Them going to the Big 12 will be really interesting. Um, but for now, we're worried about UCLA versus Colorado. We both got UCLA winning. So if I can do this correctly, I've got UCLA at 7-1, and one, and you've got them at 6-2. and two. So we go to week nine. UCLA travels to Tucson. Jack's smiling already. I don't know if this is another upset for Jack. Last year, we know what happened. UCLA lost to Arizona in what was an epic game. I will say that. Being at the Rose Bowl, that was an unbelievable game. Back and forth. Jaden Delora. I know there's some stuff around his name. We're not going to get into that. But in terms of his ability as a quarterback, I think he's really exciting. Um, runs around in the backfield like Kyler Murray. Kind of reminds me of Kyler a little bit. Um, he had really good weapons last year, like really, really good. Um, he did lose a few of those, especially Dorian Singer transferring over to USC. Um, that's a huge loss for Arizona because it's a pretty pass-happy team. Pretty is an understatement. A very pass-happy team. Dorian Singer is a great wide receiver, um, a big part of that team. So losing him is, is going to be a big issue for them. Um, and we'll actually we'll ask Jack who he has winning this game first because, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, as funny as it would be to pick UCLA to lose this one, given what happened last season, and trust me, I know, because I was in the back of the end zone when I would think it was the streaking Jake Bobo, yeah. and DTR throws a pass, and it just misses yeah. Jake Bobo's hand. I remember that. It's ingrained in my memory. That yeah. was wild. Yeah. Um, but I do have UCLA winning this one, uh, 31-14. I think Arizona does deserve a good bit of credit for the amount of rebuilding they've done under Jed Fish. I mean, they were 1-11 2021, 5-7 and seven last season, so they certainly are on an upward trajectory here. Um but I think just with um, the, the, some of the turnover, like you said, especially on the offense, losing some of those key weapons is really going to hurt them. Uh, of course, Jane Delora, he fit really well into that offense last season. I see him doing the same thing this season. I mean, he's still got, I think, Jacob Cowling is the wide receiver he's got coming yeah, back. So that's going to be huge fantastic. for him. Great player. Yeah, Great one player. of their best players last season projects to be one of their better players this season as well. Um, so they already have a good connection going there on offense. That'll be a huge source of scoring for them. Uh, but defense was where there was a lot of concerns for Arizona last season, and the same case is going to play out, I think, this season as well. I mean, they desperately need more pressure up front, better coverage in the secondary. There's just a lot of holes there where UCLA can really make them and really hurt them. Um, and so I think UCLA is going to attack them deep. I think it's going to be a big passing game for UCLA, kind of using Arizona's own you know, little magic against them a little bit here. Um, and yeah, I think this is also a game where you can kind of see the backfield kind of coming to its own a little bit. I mean, we haven't really talked about it too much yet, but there's a lot of interesting stories with UCLA backfield. Of course, you have Carson Steele the, uh, and his alligator pet coming in <laughs> to the UCLA offense. Uh, but yes, and then TJ Harden, of course, had a bit of a breakout against Kyle last season, so we're excited to see what he does with UCLA. Now that he might be the number one option, we'll see if that's him or Carson Steele. Um, and so I think there could be some, some good running options that UCLA can run in this one, and we'll see what happens. But I do think UCLA is going to win. I was smiling. But I'm still going to pick UCLA to win. I, I was really, really tempted to have them lose back-to-back -back games. Um, Tucson is a, another underestimated atmosphere or another, you know, people forget how difficult it is to play at Tucson when there is hype around the program. I feel like last year was a solid season for the program. There will be some buzz around the team. The stadium will be maybe three-quarters full. But I'm calling it right now. This is the J. Michael Sturdivant breakout game. I know it's a little late in the season to have a breakout game in week nine. I'm not saying he's not going to be great throughout the season. I think he's I I think he's the most talented receiver that UCLA has had in the past 10 years. I don't think it's really that much of a debate. 
Um, you talk about some of the receivers UCLA's had. I mean, Jake Bobo, love the guy. He's in the NFL, just caught a touchdown for the Seahawks in the preseason. Uh, you think about, you know, Kyle Phillips, solid slot guy. These are, you know, productive players in recent times. Even going back to, like, Jordan Lasley, um, Thomas Duarte at kind of this tight end, Jordan, Peyton. There's been good guys at UCLA in the receiving core. But J. Michael Sturdivant, he's different, man. He's different. He's tall. He's lanky. He's strong still. He's quick. Um, you know, he, he played well for Cal against UCLA last season. Um, but his game against Oregon, if you watch some of the catches uh, he made for Cal in that game, uh, it kind of showed why, you know, he was a very attractive player to get in the transfer portal. So I think him coming over from Cal, very talented receiver. You talked about Arizona being weak in the secondary. I think this is the game where he just explodes. I'm talking like 200 yards type of game. Um, and I think that'll be enough. I have another very, very, very high scoring game. Uh, all this talk about D'Anton Lynn, the new defensive coordinator. We'll see what he does in this game because this was a game last year that people wanted like the, the former defensive coordinator, the defensive staff out after that Arizona loss. So we'll see if D'Anton Lynn can do better. But I've got UCLA 42-35. Um, so, I mean, they just keep winning in my schedule. 8-1 and one for me, 7-2 uh, and two for you. So, you know, it's a very strong season. Week 10, we'll speed it up a little bit. Arizona State um, back to or back to the Rose Bowl hosting a new coach for Arizona State and Kenny Dillingham coming over, was the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Many give him a lot of credit for sort of helping Bo Nix break out and finally have that Bo Nix season that people have been waiting for with the Oregon Ducks. But now he's the head coach of Arizona State. And I'll go. This is a game I have UCLA losing. It, it's, it's a crazy call. I know. I I don't know. I just think 8-1, and one, especially if it's Dante Moore, the talk is going to be crazy around this team. We all say that UCLA has that one game that they lose. And I just think there's a – it's so coin toss. Like, UCLA is a way better team than Arizona State, like way better. Um, but I was in Tempe last year. Um, UCLA blew the, the Sun Devils out in the first half. Um, they got a little bit cocky. Arizona State came all the way back and almost won that game, arguably should have won that game. Um, and so I think if there's a little bit too much buzz around this team, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game that the Bruins lose. I literally walked into this building today 50-50 on if I had the winning and We'll make it interesting. I say UCLA loses to Arizona State. We'll say 42-32. Um, a tough loss for UCLA for sure on my end, but I'm sure you don't have the same. Well, Gavin, believe it or not, we are on the same wavelength because I have Arizona State winning this one too. I have them That's winning unbelievable. 40 to 28. Believe it or not, I had it written this morning That's before you even came to the office. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Um, That's unbelievable. It's wow. pretty crazy, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> but uh, I think. Even going back to last season and before last season, as you mentioned last season, it was a little bit of a scare for the Bruins there. They were up so big on Arizona State and just got so, so cocky, as you said. And clearly Arizona State was just had scoring at will in that game in the second half. Uh, but before that, in 2021, last time, Sun Devils were at the Rose Bowl, throttled the Bruins. I can't remember the score exactly, but it was not close. I was there for that. I remember that game. Um, Arizona State historically has played well at the Rose Bowl, what I've seen. And so I think one thing to keep an eye on with Arizona State is their quarterback race. They've got a couple of good candidates going on there. I think Trenton Bourget from last season got some good stability there. He should flash some talent a little bit. They also have Drew Pine coming in from Notre Dame. He's got some talent as well as the big-time recruit, uh, Jane Rashada, who was formerly Miami recruit, I believe, one of the top three quarterbacks in the class of 2023. Yeah, yeah. So they've got some exciting options there at quarterback. I think if one of those three guys kind of stands out early in the season, they stick with him, and he really gets comfortable in that offense – 
then they can really scare this Bruins team, I think, at Rose Bowl and ultimately pull off the upset. I That's think it's wild. That's why I did not see that coming at all. At all. You know, when he pulled out the Washington State, we all joke UCLA has to have that one game that no one expects him to lose, but he has two Washington State and Arizona State. Uh, both at the Rose Bowl, too. That's that's pretty – two losses to two bottom half teams in the conference. If that happens, heads will roll in Westwood. That would be crazy. That's a crazy <laughs> call from you. Um, I have UCLA at 8-2 and two at this point. You have them at 7-3, and three, which is, you know, it's still respectable. We transition out of the big dog. USC at the Coliseum. Lincoln Riley. Caleb Williams. We know what happened last year at the Rose Bowl. Back and forth. DTR. Very hot, very cold, interceptions, epic touchdowns, Zach Charbonnet, Kaz Allen, all that good stuff. We'll go to you first. UCLA, do they overcome a loss to Arizona State to beat USC at the Coliseum? This is the big one, isn't it? Yes. This is the big one. This is the one that UCLA fans will have circled on the calendar. Of course. The entire year. year waiting for it. Every year. And it finally arrives. The last one in the Pac-12 as well. I know that the rivalry will... Of course, live on in the Big Ten, but yeah. it's the last Pac-12 USC USC UCLA game. It's historic. So. It's a, it'll be a big night for the conference. There'll be a lot riding on this yeah. for both teams probably at this point of the season. And I have USC winning 38-31 in another close affair. Mm-hmm. I will say that game I went to last season was one of the best college football games I've ever seen, ever. Like that was, it was a shootout, but it was thrilling. It was entertaining, crushing for UCLA fans, thrilling for USC fans that all the it was like the most, it was almost sold out the Rose Bowl. I think it might have been sold out, yeah, actually. I mean, an asterisk um, sellout. Because an asterisk they, sellout, They did have yes. the banners still covering half the stadium, yeah. which, don't get me started so, with that. They could have They could have filled the Rose Bowl, okay? They could have filled all 90,000 plus seats. They definitely could have, um, yep. I don't know what UCLA was thinking with that, but yes, it was still sold out in that regard. But yeah, and, and, and just, I guess, moving into this season, I mean, we've talked about Caleb Williams. I mean, everyone's talked about Caleb Williams. He's the best player in college football. There's no question. He's going to be the same guy this year. I don't see anything changing. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, he's losing Jordan Addison to the NFL, Travis Dye as well. So those are two big losses for him, obviously. But, I mean, when you have a guy like Caleb Williams on offense who is just so, so, such a good player and so much talent, and it's just, it doesn't really matter who you put around that guy, he's going to find ways to succeed. He's going to find ways to put up numbers, and he definitely will this season. I think he has a chance to be a back-to-back Heisman winner. It's possible. I could see it happening, uh, barring some emerging quarterback or a really good season from somewhere else, uh, but I think that definitely Caleb Williams is ultimately going to be a little too much for this UCLA team in what would be hopefully a thrilling game because the last rivalry game, as you said, the Pac-12 should be a great one. Yeah. Put the camera on me. We have cameras now so we can do this. Look at me. Here we go. Look at me. UCLA is losing. I'm sorry. Caleb Williams is <laughs> he's amazing. I, I've been made fun of in this office so many times for how much I praise Caleb Williams while standing on UCLA's campus, but I'm sorry. He is Patrick Mahomes 2.0. Not 2.0. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes. He's the college Patrick Mahomes. Enough of the Drake. Drake May is great. Jordan Travis at Florida State, they're going to surprise a lot of people. All right, we'll see what happens with Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country. It's not close. People can't throw like him, all right? 80 yards down the field, on the run, running out. Come on. Don't, don't waste your time. UCLA, they're going to be great this year. The defense is going to be better. It's going to be a, a, a great matchup if it's Dante Moore versus Caleb Williams. Um, the athleticism in that game, the playmaking in that game is going to be entertaining. But it's Caleb Williams. I don't think USC is losing more than one game this season. I, you know, A lot of people will be mad at me for saying this, but USC is a fantastic team. They're finally getting a little bit better in terms of their depth defensively. The transfer, like I said, of Dorian Singer from Arizona to the USC receiving core, 
They also, in addition to him, I think Mario Williams is going to have a better year this year. He came over from Oklahoma last year and kind of had a shaky year. I think he's going to be good replacing Jordan Addison. The offense is too much. I've got it. Another. I feel like I've said this score 20 times. 49-42, USC beats UCLA at the Coliseum. Um, so for me, UCLA falls to 8-3. and three. For you, it's 7-4, and four, which that would be a big problem, 7-4. and four. But um, we've got one more game. It's Cal. Um, a lot of people in the UCLA and Cal atmosphere, whatever you want to call it, Twitter especially, are going to circle this game just because of how much these schools suddenly hate each other. Um, with UCLA leaving the Pac-12, the whole UC Regents thing, UCLA now giving Cal charity money because why? I don't know. Um, but we'll keep it simple. Cal's not good. They're really bad. When Colorado was the worst team in the country last year, who's the only team they beat? Cal. All right. Cal, they're not it. It's at the Rose Bowl. Cal's not going to do anything to UCLA at the Rose Bowl, especially if UCLA is coming off a loss to USC, especially if UCLA is coming off two losses in a row like we both have, Arizona State and USC. No chance that they lose three in a row to Cal. Do you have anything to add? I mean, UCLA is winning this game, right? Yeah, I have them winning. I mean, if they lose this, it'll be a disaster of a season for the Bruins, at least by my you know calculation. It'll be seven and five at that point. That'd be that'd be lower than the floor that I think many people have set for the Bruins for this season. But yeah, I have them winning twenty four to ten. I think it's gonna be closer than than it, would, it should be. I mean, they we know how the game went last season. They went to Cal and they just kind of played against themselves the entire game essentially. I mean, Cal, as you said, it's not a good team. They're not any better this season. Uh, and they'll have turnover at the quarterback position. I mean, Jake Plummer's gone. I think they have Sam Jackson from TCU coming in. So, I mean, he might inject a little bit of excitement for the fan base, but, like, Cal football is, is dying. It has been for some time now, and I'll just this will be a little cherry on top for UCLA fans to be like, all right, we are, you know, definitively better than Cal, so we head to the Big Ten. They figure out what the heck they're doing with their football programs. So. Yeah, who knows? They might be pre- preparing for a little Mountain West trip after mm. after that loss. But, um, yeah, that'll do it. I guess for me that has UCLA at 9-3, and three, which that's kind of the number I had months ago. I think that's the most common number that people are predicting, nine wins for UCLA. They can make it 10 if they get a bowl game win. That would be their first 10-win season since 2014. Uh, you would have them at 8-4, and four, right? I mean, if they're 8-4, and four, is, that a, is that a successful season for UCLA or no? I don't think so. I mean – Especially with what you said about the whole, you know, nine three and a lot of people are toss around ten and two too. Like that's a very realistic possibility. Yeah. Some games go their way. I mean, obviously, get the game against USC is going to be critical, and some other games against Utah, of course, opening the season conference play against Utah is also going to be critical. So it's going to be about how this is the tone going conference play, and if they can continue that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think eight and four if they get off on the wrong foot and maybe string some wins together, I think here and there. But if they still are the same kind of UCLA team that will give up a weird, weird loss in the middle of the season, maybe even two by my, you know, by my calculations. Um, that I think eight and four is is a very realistic possibility. All right, well there you have it, eight and four. Oh wait, we didn't give scores. What's the Cal score? Uh, twenty four and ten. I did. Oh, you got a twenty four to ten. Okay, <laughs> I don't have it that close. That's interesting. I have a thirty four to fourteen. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's gonna be close. But all right, now that we've we've done it, there should be a graphic on the screen, something like that, hopefully with our final predictions for the season. Eight and four for Jack, nine and three for me. Uh, Respectable for sure for UCLA in their last season in the Pac-12. But yeah, that'll do it for our first episode of the season. Football is coming up. uh, You know, we've got a game in less than a month. So make sure you're staying uh, locked with everything Daily Bruin. Uh, You can follow Jack on his Twitter. We'll have it linked in the YouTube uh, description. Mine as well. Uh, Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we're going to have a great year here, so make sure you guys stay tuned. Thank you. Out of Bounds is brought to you by The Daily Bruin, UCLA's student-run newspaper. 
You can listen to this episode and others on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, and a transcript will be available at dailybruin.com. Also, check out the YouTube channel Daily Bruin. 